Hello, this is Futurist Gerd Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Such a strange time, right? How the world has changed the last two years. And you know what I believe when looking back at the last two years? I think the future does not belong to the most powerful or the most evil, as we can suspect looking back the last couple of weeks. It belongs to those that can collaborate the best. How we collaborated for COVID, how we collaborate for world peace, how we collaborate for climate change. It is, in fact, the survival of the friendliest. It's kind of a strange theme, right? It's a book with that name you should take a look at, but I'll talk more about this and what that means. First, let's start here. You know, we're sort of in this weird COVID rebound situation. And I live in Switzerland, and I look at this and I'm saying like, okay, maybe the next decade is sort of a golden era. So there's going to be a 10-year period now where we're going to see more change than the previous 100 years. And it's important to realize that this is becoming the new normal. Business as usual is dead or dying. Whether you're a car company, right? What do car companies sell now? They don't sell cars. I'm from Germany, right? What do they sell? Mobility. <laughs> what do pharma companies sell? Not pills. That's what they sell now, right? Technology. I mean, 80% of military budget in 10 years will be digital. Right? Our world is going to change business as usual. If you think that business as usual is your future, you are in deep trouble. <laughs> I mean, just look at oil and gas and coal. In many countries, solar energy is already cheaper than coal. But then, of course, climate change, which has come back in a really strong way in the COVID crisis. In many ways, you can say that COVID-19 was, or is, a test run for climate change. It's testing our collaboration, it's testing our science, it's testing where we put the money, and that is followed by, of course, inequality. Right? Rising inequality also now because of COVID in the US, in Brazil, in India. Right? Technology can be a fantastic tool but if we use it too much, it can also be sort of a, a slave driver, right? I think technology is a great tool, but a, a really tough emperor. You know, when we have technology take over, just look at social media. Ten years ago, we thought of social media, Facebook, and so as a great way to connect and to do business, right? And what is social media today? It's poison. <laughs> it's poisoning our society. I mean, looking at 14-year-old girls, they're looking at other girls on Instagram and killing themselves because they don't look as good. I mean, think about that for a second, right? And of course, what will technology do to our work? I don't think that's a, as big of a problem as we thought it would be, but basically in this future, you know, we're also going to see amazing opportunities. And that's why it's so confusing. And I hope I can add a little bit of power to that uh, to your understanding of that future. But we're going warp drive into the future. You know, warp drive from Star Trek. You hit the button and you just go off. Remember Star Trek, right? That's where we are right now. Exponential. We're not going step by step, you know. 
30 steps across the room, I get over there. 30 steps exponential, I get 26 times around the world. We're talking about a future where many opportunities are starting to unfold. For example, here you can see we're in the biggest boost time of modern technology. All the stuff that used to be science fiction is becoming science fact. 3D printing. Very soon I can 3D print my kneecap. I can already do that. I can 3D print my earlobe, my, my root canal. I can have done by a robot. Right? Look at all the business segments that are going to be trillion-dollar enterprises. I mean, if you're looking for money, this is the map, right? I mean, look at this, the blockchain, genome sequencing, artificial intelligence. I mean, it's not news to you, I hope. But these are a lot of good things that are happening. And of course, we already see the sustainability revolution. We see it in energy, we see it in food, protein, transportation, investing. You know now there's over 50 companies that make meat in the lab. Right? So you take the cell from an animal, you put it in the lab, and you multiply it, and you make a burger or whatever you're going to make from it, right? Uh, and Bill Gates have, invented, uh, have invested in this, and Richard Branson and many others. And people are saying that the price of that meat, which is roughly $2,000 a pound now, it's a little bit expensive. <laughs> I did taste it the other day. I, I'm still here to talk about it, right? So it was quite good. But that price of that meat, parenthesis, will be one-tenth and no pollution of carbon. When you think about all that stuff that's happening here, any company that's in the green business, the stock is going up. I mean, the indications are really quite clear where we are going with this. Opportunities after opportunities that are of exponential scale. You heard talks about exponential before, because Dubai is an exponential place. <laughs> right. 4, 8, 16, 32, we are leaping. If you have kids, you got to think about that. My kids are 25 and 30. I want my kids to live in what I call the good future. Not a future where they don't have a chance. And they're not going to see a future like I did. You know, 10 years ago, we were thinking about music will be on the mobile, right? big deal. We have that today. You pay $10 for 62 million songs. We paid $20 for 12 songs right? <laughs> 10 years ago. Right? That's all great, but now we have, of course, digital money. Central state digital currencies. I'm not talking about Bitcoin here, right? We're going to have central state digital currencies that will be the, the lead currency of the world. We're looking at a global boost in digital healthcare and life sciences. Just that is a $50 trillion value change. Right? Going away from taking pills to using technology. Preventing diseases. Using uh, all kinds of new technologies. Reinventing education. Why in this world are we going to a business school and learning how things used to work 10 years ago? That is interesting. I mean, when I went to school, I learned Greek and Latin. That's interesting. But was it useful? <laughs> no, not really. Right. We need to learn how things will be, not, not how they have been. Right. Are we learning that in school? No, we learn that in real life. Right. And that needs to change. And of course, energy and climate technologies. Uh, Larry Fink, the guy who runs BlackRock Investments, he said the other day that the next 1,000 billion dollar companies will be in climate technology. 
decarbonization, solar energy, nuclear fusion, you name it. Right? And that is the place where we are going, especially in this country, of course, huge debate of where that's going. So I made a film last year, because last year I was sitting at home because of COVID. I couldn't travel, didn't have all nice people around me like today. And I was thinking, like, is the future going to be good or not? Because when I talk to my kids, 25 and 30, they tell me the future is terrible. I talk to their friends, they say the future is going to be absolutely terrible. We have robots taking over the world. First they take our work and then they will kill us for energy. Right? And of course there won't be any jobs and of course nobody can agree and then there's all these bad people and democracy is in decline, you know, it just looks bad. Right? And I don't believe it. I think the future is much better than we think. We just have to make the right decisions. And here's the funny part. We have all the science and technology, the tools that we need. We can soon change the human genome to avoid cancer. I mean, soon in the sense of 10, 20 years, not 200 years. Right? We've built a vaccine in 12 months. We're 10 years away from nuclear fusion. We're five years away from supercomputing. Don't tell me we don't have the tools and the science or the money. We have the money. We printed $34 trillion to deal with COVID. And do we have an inflation? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. It's, it's a topic, right? But we're still here because it's money well spent on the future. So we're looking here, what is good, right? What's a good future? Well, I've done a lot of research on this, and I would say it's the Maslow Pyramid. Safety, security, physiological needs. The first three pieces is what everybody con considers good. The other ones are more optional. Right? But 98% people I talk to are saying they agree what's good, which is to not die, to not be poor, to have family, to have some freedom. Right? That's good. So three tickets to the good future, especially for this country, this region. Crucial points. right? Digitization technology. But let's make no mistake about this. Technology is a tool. Technology will not solve social, cultural, political, human problems. It will make them worse. If we want technology to do the right thing, then we have to build a framework around it doing the right thing. I mean, technology is a great amplifier. But, you know, it's, it's interesting, the, the other day, uh, I'm using AI and artificial intelligence to do translation for me. And then when I speak to the AI, I use the word for. Right? And you know, in English, there are like 10 different meanings of for. F-O-R-E, F-O-R, F-O-U-R. Right? The machine doesn't understand any of it. Right? It always gets the wrong for. Right? That's not really intelligent. So we have to learn how that means decarbonization. Okay, we're moving out of the fossil fuel economy into the sustainable economy. And let's make no mistake about this, you may not enjoy the process, just like the record companies didn't enjoy the process of, away from the CD to music and the cloud. I used to be in the music business and the record companies told me that's a crime because music will get very cheap in the cloud. Well, guess what? They're making two and a half billion dollars a month now selling music in the cloud. 
and all be the same for energy. I bet you money right now that in the near future we're going to have oil and gas companies convert their business to taking CO2 out rather than putting it in. Like, in a complete reversal of business model. And finally, reformation. Reformation of our societal logic, of our economic logic. So let's start here with digitization. Okay, point number one really is uh, we're heading in the future of 10 game changes. And I won't go through all of them because we'll be here tonight, right? You can look them up at girlsgamechanges.com. It's a joke, but you'll find it there, right? So that's data, it's the cloud, the Internet of Things, right? It's quantum computing, voice recognition, artificial intelligence, blockchain, 3D printing, virtual reality, and genome editing. Okay. Just, you know, if, if I show this kind of slide to my wife, she would say, I'm already shut down now. It's too much information, right? There's just so much. And the other day I was looking at this and I would say, I could make 20 game changes, right? And these are all real now. Just to give an example of what that means, for example, with artificial intelligence. The big deal about artificial intelligence is not that machines are intelligent like us. They are not. Human intelligence is 10 different things. Emotional, cultural, social, kinesthetic, musical. Right? Machines don't have any of that, but they have endless computing. Deep learning and machine learning will revolutionize our way in pretty much everything. And then we just have to think about how we control it. This little app, GPT-3, allows you to type or speak something, and it will generate an app for you. It will make an app or website by speaking to it. This is on YouTube, but anybody that can program GPT-3 right, from OpenAI, you can use that to build your iPhone app just by typing. No programming required. That's what AI does, you know, the simple stuff, the stuff that we can instantly do with this. This chart here is scary. Right? It's scary because it shows you the power of artificial intelligence here. Basically, the efficiency increase from AI tops somewhere around $500 billion right, in certain industries. And this is where government sits, right, in the middle of this. The efficiency for government will be just hugely explosive using AI. The flip side of that is, of course, what do we do when we have this? Right? When we live in a world like this? This is the automotive industry. Right? Uh, the other day I spoke in Munich at the IAA, the International Auto Automotive Industry Show. And everything there wasn't about cars. Right? It was about scooters and helicopters and, you know, transportation. Right? Mind boggling change that we're seeing here, which direction is going. And this is something that we have to keep in mind. Humans and machines are getting closer and closer. We're working every day with our iPhone apps, right? Very soon we'll have that on here. Regular glasses. That's what Apple is working on. So I can look at you and I can say, I can see what you're thinking. No, just kidding. I can see your LinkedIn profile. And then I can see what you're thinking, allegedly. Right? And then I can wear a helmet. I can just live inside of virtuality, the so-called metaverse, right? You can see how that man-machine thing has exploded just by watching this short video here of a good friend, Mick Jagger. YouTube, right? He's amazing. 
I love Mick Jagger. But important about this video is the robot is dancing, right? And he's not, he's actually moving along with Mick Jagger. A robot like this weighs about 600 kilos. Ten years ago, the same robot would be in a safety cage. Right? Would break down all the doors in the building because it would be out of control trying to dance. And that's what we have now. Right? So, important in this whole transition is this. We have to forget about this idea about efficiency. This is what technology taught us for a long time. We have to be efficient, we have to be fast, we have to do away with human concerns, we can't be slowed down, right? Remember what Facebook said about their business paradigm? Move fast and break things. That was Mark Zuckerberg's paradigm 10 years ago, right? You know what he says today? Move fast away from the things I've broken. That's his next paradigm. We have to get off this idea of efficiency. Human life is not about efficiency. You didn't marry your husband or your wife because they're efficient. You may not like it if they're inefficient. That's different. We're moving into a world where this kind of thinking, called machine thinking, guess what, I have news for you, we're not machines. And government isn't dealing with people who are machines. And machines don't vote. Machines don't make important decisions. Machines are tools. You don't ask the hammer to design your house. You build the house with a hammer. It's a tool. So we have to be very careful of technology that does this, right? Sucking away all the things that make us human. Emotions, understanding, mistakes, inefficiencies, right? The machine says it's much better if we have this. We have data, we have algorithms, we have proof. Sounds very German, right? You can't prove the future. You can't prove humanity by running a spreadsheet. There's a little bit more to it, right? Let's refuse the reductionism that goes with this concept. And when we look at this chart, we can safely say, well, we have amazing progress, but in the top of this pyramid right here, right, this is the most dangerous place. It's the biggest benefits and the biggest risk. And what is that? Artificial intelligence, genome editing, Internet of Things. So, if we're going to use technology, we have to use it wisely. With caution. With understanding. With human identity. We have to think about a larger thing, which is the basic problem of technology is this, right? Technology has no ethics. It doesn't care about your feelings, your values. I'm not talking about religion here, right? I'm talking about basic human values, right? It doesn't know what a face is. It doesn't know what anger is. It knows I'm angry by my muscles, right? We have to make sure technology can respect what we are. Right? And this is where government comes in, right? It's the role of government to negotiate between the power of science and technology and the needs of people. And the needs of people aren't just about money or jobs and growth, right? There are a few other needs, as we found out in the COVID crisis. As I like to say in the COVID crisis, a hug is worth more than a thousand Zoom calls. And why is that? That's because we're not a machine. So this future could be heaven or hell. 
depending on what we choose to do in the next 10 years. Looking at this chart again, it shows you the efficiency gains by AI are outstanding. Right? Look at this chart here. Applications for enterprise, huge. Right? Huge consequences of how we can do things differently. And here's the challenge. It's a present or it's a bomb. Like anything that's really good, whether it's eating or smoking or whatever you're into, right? too much of a good thing is a very bad thing. You eat too much, you die. You know, more people die from obesity every year than from hunger. Same problem with technology. <laughs> and we really have to keep that in mind when we build technology and figure out where we're going. We're going to need something like this. This is what I would love to see in Dubai, a digital ethics council. Which technology is actually good for people? Let's have a minister of ethics. I know you have a minister of AI, which is great. You have a minister of happiness, right? That's already a very good start. We need that in Switzerland. Ethics is knowing the difference between what you have a right to do and what is the right thing to do. And I grant you, it's not always easy to know what is the right thing to do. Right? It's a complex question. So as we're heading into this future, science fiction is becoming science fact. We have flying taxis now. We have many things described in science fiction films. Right? The consequences of technology will be absolutely astounding. Economic, social, and human consciousness transformation. Some people would argue we're moving towards what's called the global consciousness. It's hard to imagine when you're looking at Russia right now, right? That such a thing would be possible. But we're moving into the future of where we're thinking of collaboration, how to get to a common goal. Right? Fundamental shifts in how we work and where we work. You know, roughly there's an estimate saying in 2030, 70% of all new jobs have not even been invented yet. Can you imagine? Your kids are going to work in jobs that don't exist. Like today, 21 million people work in social media. Job didn't exist 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Right? Education will have to support that. Right? We're going to be needing a lot of more educational certificates, uh, things that we can do, fundamental shifts in how and when. Hello, yes, title shifts in education. And government needs to be ready for the future. I call that the future mindset. I have more to say on that a little bit later, but these are going to be the important things of the future. Wise leadership becomes existential. Wise doesn't just mean informed. Right? It means knowing the way forward, understanding what is best. When we talk, for example, about the metaverse, you guys are familiar with the metaverse, right? Virtuality environment, real-time media feed, pushed by Facebook and Microsoft and many others. We have environments like this where you can work virtually using holograms and what's called mixed reality. We have these kind of virtual shopping environments. This is Walmart. And then we have virtual meetings, of course. This is Microsoft Metaverse, part of the Teams platform. Right? Like I said earlier, we will have all the tools, but will we have the telos, good Greek word, right? tell us the wisdom, the purpose, the understanding? This is the important part. The key question in the future will not be if we can do something, because the answer will always be yes. Can we have automated weapons 
that do their job without human supervision? Yes. Are they going to save lives of soldiers? Yes. But is it a good thing to have? Complicated questions when we're looking at this future. So basically, as we're heading into the next big thing here, really is about the green future. And to that, I always say, you know, it's been quite clear for a long time that we're heading in this way. But now, sorry, I'm going to go back one more time. Looking at this chart here, this is what has happened in the last two decades, right? Produced capital, which is richness, has increased. Human capital has stayed the same. But natural capital, hello, give me my clicker back. Natural capital is declining. Okay? In other words, we're going to have a lot of money living on a world that's broken. Right? I mean, how much sense does that make? Are we going to be happy in a world that's broken like this, in a situation like this, that has this kind of environment? Looking at this map, you guys are over here, right? Very right corner. This is a map that shows global red places where you can't live because it's too hot in 30 years. And even if you yourself aren't entirely on the red spot in that map, all your neighbors is going to want to move away from the red spot. We're looking at roughly 300 million climate refugees. 300 million. And the IPCC says it's code red. Code red for humanity. So, what's happening right now, we're going from this agricultural revolution to the industrial revolution, the digital revolution, to the sustainability revolution. The biggest opportunity in our lifetime. And now it's clear it's no longer just going to be a pain. Right? This is the biggest business opportunity for humanity that we can see. Right? And I always say big blue and big green. Big blue, not IBM technology. <laughs> big blue and big green, that's the ticket. Green is the new digital. And sustainable is the new profitable. And no matter how hard that is for us to accept this, this is as certain as music going from the CD to the cloud. So something we have to think about how we're going to change and how we're going to adapt to it, right? I mean, this, this curve here shows you all the stuff that's already happening in climate technology in the next two years, the next five years, the next 10 years, basically now. Don't miss the boat on this one. I mean, all of those opportunities are here, right in front of us, right here, right now. We're moving from a world that is based on extraction, oil, gas, coal, right? to a world that's completely different based on creation, right? on ideas, on concepts. Winston Churchill said, uh, 1948, the emperor of the future is the emperor of the mind. <laughs> and now we're here. That's where all the money is now. Creation. Not just digital creation, but all creation and creating experiences. We're moving into that future where the bright horizon really is about that. And this is not about not growing, right? This whole idea of degrowth, remember this one? Right? The Club of Rome? Right? The limits to growth, 1972? Right? Not entirely wrong. But I don't think it's going to be about degrowth. It's going to be about circular, sustainable, holistic growth. That's the mission. I mean, a degrowth society would mean not having kids, not traveling. That doesn't strike me as a very good idea 
that we could all agree on, right? So we move into the future where all that circular economy is the new economy. If your company isn't circular, it won't exist in 10 years. And that's an opportunity. McKinsey says roughly $150 trillion revenue shift on a global level. So it takes me to uh, reformation. We're going to see a lot of this happening in the near future, right, where the things that used to be impossible are the new normal. We're going to see a carbon tax on flying with an airplane, every single flight you take. Carbon tax on eating meat. We may see a compulsory carbon tax for everybody, a climate change tax in Europe. Like we had it in Germany when East Germany came back, right? We had a compulsory tax. We're going to see a lot of movement on this. I think that's going to be a really, really powerful situation. Also quite difficult. Unthinkable is the new normal. Take that as the paradigm of the future. Right? That is what's happening. New paradigms, new priorities, new narratives. Right? And we have a simple choice here. Okay? We stay on the one side with this paradigm, profit and growth. Milton Friedman and all of that. Or libertarianism. I'm not against it, but it's no longer working, right? Why is it no longer working? Because there's also more important things. Profit and growth has kind of left us as a useful paradigm. Now there's four of them, as Elkerton said years ago, people planet profit. I say people planet purpose and prosperity. Purpose. It's what do we want? What kind of future do we want to see? And now we're seeing that everywhere, as you can see here, this kind of scenario of the future. And of course, the plan you see here on the right, whether it's uh, 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 BlackRock talking about that future, whether it's about the Pandora's Papers, whether it's about Tesla, you know, all of those discussions. I mean, the US government said we should take the copyright away from the pharma companies to distribute COVID. <laughs> I mean, what a story. Right? That's basically the new paradigm of thinking how, how we can do things together in the future. That is the paradigm of purpose. I think we're moving there very quickly. For example, now 86% of people think around the world that CEOs should get involved with complex issues. Whether it's climate change, whether it's unemployment, whether it's inequality. That is becoming crucial. We have to show people that we care. If you have kids between, say, 25 and 35, you know what they want is people to be responsible, right? to take leadership, not just to go on as business as usual. Brings me to an important point. The world of women is coming. In this country, there's already quite a bit of leadership on this topic. Right? But look at this, uh, this slide over here uh, on, the web, on the very right here. Right? The German foreign minister is a 35-year-old, I think she is, Green Party executive. And here on this agenda, you can see all the countries that have women leaders. I mean, I'm a man, but in many ways, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say the future is female. Right? We'll see about that, but uh, I'll be here in a couple of years to discuss that with you. So, I think we're moving into this world that's away from this idea of ecosystems. And that's crumbling, right? So we're looking at a world where it's going to be about this, right? The next big thing is going to be about ecosystems, working together. And I tell you, this is the only ticket we have in that future is collaboration. Everything else will lead to disconnect and to more issues than we've ever had in the past.
And part of that is what's happening with us humans. Now we're thinking about what's going to happen with humans in that future. Right? Do you want to live in this future? Where you are first, you're forced to work in virtual reality. In a place where you wear a helmet so you can be like Tom Cruise in Minority Report and pull out the data, right? And basically what that means is that, yeah, maybe useless real life, right? Why live in the bad world if I can wear a helmet and live in the great world, right? Why do I even need to be human? Well, the reality is, of course, that's what we are, right? We can pretend to live somewhere else, but this is not a very good future. If you're looking at these charts, quite simply showing you all the things that are obviously misunderstandings, like this one shows how we're going to be more efficient with AI, and this one shows the biggest company using AI, Amazon, hiring the most people ever. So, I got to come to a conclusion, right, very soon, so I'm working on that very hard. We need to put the human back inside of technology. We need to make sure that humans are in the loop, that humans understand technology, that we know the limits of technology, right? that we have a shield right? that says technology should do this, but not this. It should help me fix the traffic, but it shouldn't be a surveillance mechanism. Very, very important that we look in this future together as machines are going to be absolutely everywhere. Important slide is this one. And this one talks about basically what's happening with our skills, right? We're going to move up from this idea of knowing things like machines, like intellectual knowledge, data, information, right? We're going to move up the pyramid towards the things that only humans can do. And that is the future of education, right? The future of education isn't down here anymore in data and information. It's in deeper knowledge, tacit knowledge, understanding. Right? Our ultimate job is to be human. Our ultimate job is not to compete with machines and to be faster. Right? It's to do the things that we can do best. So I'm going to wrap up now because it's time. Time is fleeting as I'm always talking more than I had planned, but Bear with me for just a few more minutes on this one. So in education, that means we're moving from this idea of science to the idea of teaching more than science. I call it hecky. Not just STEM, but humanities. And why is that important? Because machines will do a lot of the heavy lifting in the future. Machines can't do this. So that's important that we balance, right, as we go invest as much in humanity as you invest in technology. That's the ticket to the future. Of course we have to invest in technology. <laughs> that goes without saying, right? But we have to invest in people as well, right? Into what we are and what we can be in that future. Because one thing is for sure, the robots are coming, and if you work like a robot, a robot will take your job. And if you learn like a robot, you'll never have a job. Don't let your kids learn like a robot. That's the best ticket to their bad future, not the good future. All right, so I promised I would go up to the summary. So what now? First of all, let's not look at the future like this. The future isn't all bad just because we hear bad things on Facebook or Twitter or television or Netflix. Don't watch any stuff about Net on Netflix when it's about the future. It always ends badly. I'm excited about the future. The future is better than we think. I mean, we're here 
today at the cusp of a renewable energy society, of fixing cancer, of working together for global pollution, for water, for food, for everything else. Right? So the future is better than we think, especially here. Right? The future is not something that just happens to us. I mean, this is a typical approach in Europe that we have. You know, somebody else makes the future. The Americans, the Chinese. We make the future. We make the future by action or by inaction, by doing something or by not doing something. And that is the most important thing, the six future principles. I mentioned some of them earlier. Exponential change, combinatorial change, but on the other side, holistic, circular, and human. What good is a rich future if it is not human? What's the point? We can live in a world that's deprived of humanity, but is very rich. Right? That is the world, world of George Orwell. So to get to that word, we have to pay attention. This is what I do every day. I just listen. That's all you have to do. I always say, please, listen one hour to, uh, per day to the future. Bill Gates says five hours a week to listen to the future, to read, not to watch movies, right? not to watch stuff on YouTube, but to actually read things about the future and to understand it. Because, very important saying, as you see the future, as you hear the future, so we act, and as you act, so it becomes. You think the future will be bad, it will be bad. And we have to move beyond that and understand why the future is better than we think. So, here's my summary, bottom line. The good future is part of that process of understanding it. To pursue a future mindset. I want to see you all here next year with big ears like this and say, yes, I paid attention. I've heard the future. I understood where the future comes in. This Indian philosopher says it really well. Imagining the future may be more important than analyzing the past. Tell that to historian. <laughs> Companies today are no longer resource-bound, they're imagination-bound. And I would add to that, countries today are imagination-bound. I wish you all the best, and I'll see you in the future. Thank you. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gertube.com on YouTube.